What's up, everyone, and welcome to Game Day with the Gurus, where it is Game Day 24 7, 365. We talk sports. I am the host of this show. My name is the Wildcat Guru. Thank you guys for tuning in today. I'm going to be doing my top five most intriguing matchups of week three in college football. This was a little bit tricky because there's a lot of games that i like uh some notable games that i left out texas tech at nc state texas tech looks solid last week um they look good offense looks good i mean i couldn't believe when they converted that fourth and 20 to, and then ended up beating houston that was crazy uh, i also left out uh kansas at um god i'm drawing a blank here sorry about that uh Kansas at Houston yeah Kansas offenses look fantastic uh Jaden Daniels he's looked great they dropped 55 on West Virginia last week uh, I don't think West Virginia's defense is all that great I think Houston will be a tougher matchup but Houston struggled early uh you know they they have played some two really good teams they they won uh beat UTSA in overtime they struggled that game though they they that was a coin flip game uh i thought utsa outplayed them houston ended up getting the win they lost last week at texas tech where they played better but they couldn't convert in overtime in the red zone so uh i like kansas in that game i have kansas on the money line just saying but let's start off with number five number five is going to be the nittany lions of penn state at Auburn uh, and I mean magic happens at Jordan Hare it's going to be a fun game you know the environment is is going to be loud um this this game has me excited just because look this is two historic national programs both of them haven't been at the level that they used to be at uh, obviously you know Joe Paterno um, Joe Pa you know he since since he's left Penn State really hasn't gotten over that hump uh, they've had some good eight nine win seasons but they've also had some six seven win seasons they started off two and oh one at Purdue crazy game really good win uh, Sean Clifford showed a little bit of promise there um, he's been really good for them so far and you know speaking of quarterbacks let's get into the quarterback battle this is where i think auburn is, is gonna need tj finley to really just kind of snap out of it tj finley he just hasn't played good um so far against mercer mercer and yes they won this game uh first game of the season but he was 9 of 14 had 112 passing yards had two interceptions. His quarterback rating was 41.6 against Mercer. And and granted, I know they like to run the ball a lot. And uh, they're, they're more of a, a running team. And, you know, they, they he does have a good arm. Uh, I like Javarius Johnson. I like what he's been able to do for them so far. Little speedster, man. He's He, he had a good game against Mercer. He started off the season uh, pretty strong but it just 
to have those kind of numbers against a, a team of that caliber, Mercer is not good. It's it's definitely uh, draw some questions. Can he handle the Penn State defense? Is he going to be able to to beat them with his arm? Because Penn State has a solid run defense. Their uh, their opponents are averaging less than a hundred yards per game rushing. Obviously, Tank Bigsby has been outstanding for Auburn. He's been great. He's been terrific. He tore up Mercer for 147 yards on 16 carries, 9.2 yards per carry against them. He's. I don't think he'll be able to do that against this against this Nittany Lion defense, which isn't great, but you know it, it's it's good enough. And going back to the run game against San Jose State, which is it's a better comparison because San Jose State they'll be a solid team in the Mountain West. They're definitely a lot better this year. Uh, Bigsby only had 51 yards on 13 carries and 3.9 yards per carry, so he struggled against them. And um, you know they have a lot of different guys that they use. So it's not going to be all on him. He's definitely the the guy that really needs to pick up that workload because on the other end of the ball, Noah Singleton, who I'm I love I man Noah Singleton. He he's really going to be good for Penn State. Uh, Sean Clifford, both of those two guys have have played really well. Uh, Sean Clifford's touchdown to interception ratio is five to one. T.J. Finley's is one to three. So that just goes to show, um, you know, statistically, on paper, Penn State should be favored than uh, should be more than a three point favorite, but they weren't ranked coming into the season. Um, it's in Jordan Hare, you know. There's a few things. There's a couple factors that play into it, but uh, I I really like what Sean Clifford's done. Uh, so far, you know, last week he he only uh, he completed 19 passes out of 27. He only missed eight passes. Uh, he had a touchdown. Pretty good quarterback rating. Obviously, he didn't play all game. He only played a short time because they blew out Ohio, 46-10. But against Purdue, he 20 20 of 37, 282 yards, four touchdowns on the road. The most impressive stat though is his quarterback rating, 77. So we and Purdue probably has a better defense than Auburn, right? I mean, it, it's it, it's close. I I think Auburn struggles. Uh, I think their uh, defensive line is solid, but uh, their secondary is shaky. Uh, San Jose State kind of they were able to move the ball on them. Uh, they just couldn't capitalize on a lot of opportunities down there on the other side of the fifty. I I think this game is going to come down to who can run the ball both of these teams that's what they want to do they want to run the ball obviously Noah Singleton he's off to a good start this season uh 210 yards on 20 carries he's averaging 10 and a half yards per carry I mean he's he's definitely one of the best offensive freshman players uh, in the country so far they didn't play him a lot last game they didn't need to um Obviously, they want to save him, keep him fresh for this game at Auburn. But he he could have had probably 100, 150 yards on Ohio. Uh, he had a really good game against Purdue. And I think that's that's the key to this game is because Auburn only, their opponents are averaging 64 rushing yards per game, right? Penn State averages 170 rushing yards per game. That's the key um, 
Penn State's defense, they're giving up about 84 rushing yards per game. Auburn's offense, they run the ball really good. They run the ball a lot, 247 yards per game. Who can run the ball in this game? We know Penn State has the better quarterback, probably have the better defense. I guess that's kind of that's that's arguable. That's uh, that arguably they have the better defense. It's going to come down to who can run the ball. I like Penn State. I think they get another huge road victory. Uh to go start off their season 3-0 and uh you know, they just moved into the rankings number 22. Could be a sleeper in the Big 10. We know that they have the best venue in college football. That wideout is killer and who knows? They have a, a veteran quarterback. They have an explosive freshman running back. They have a few good receivers. And at this point, in, in, I, I don't, who knows what to expect anymore in college football after last week. I mean, anyone can lose. Ohio State hasn't looked sharp yet. Wisconsin just lost. Michigan State, we'll find out more about them uh, this week. Michigan's probably looked the best in the uh, Big Ten so far. But... I think everyone's beatable, and if Penn State pick up another solid win, move a little bit higher in the rankings before conference play starts, uh, I think I think they're gonna have a good shot. You know, any any team who has a, a consistent veteran quarterback that's playing well and that has solid talent around them has a shot to win their conference. Let's move on to number four. Number four, I got USC Fresno State. The reason why I put this one on the list is because, look, this is going to be a shootout. Now, I do think USC is going to pull away. Um, you know, USC started the game against Stanford. They were 7 of 7 on their drives. I mean, incredible. They, they excuse my language, they fucking torched Stanford's defense, which really only has one solid secondary player uh it's not a defense to be proud of stanford's i mean they haven't been good in a long time but still caleb williams uh, mario uh yeah mario williams caleb williams i mean travis die jordan addison uh they're just they're just loaded they're just loaded it's gonna be hard for uh, any team to really compete with these guys to beat these guys uh i i thought i would see more from brendan rice the transfer he really hasn't needed to produce that much because mario and, and addison are just they're so hard to guard the key to this game is going to be can fresno tackle in space because against stanford usc they did beat Stanford a few times deep. Uh, Addison had a 75-yard touchdown catch. Um, there was a few other long touchdown catches. But there was a few plays where Caleb just threw a simple wide receiver screen and they couldn't tackle. And guys like Mario Williams and Jordan Addison, they're, they're so athletic. They're NFL receivers. And can Fresno State tackle in space? I think Fresno State will be able to to score with them i really like that offense uh, they have the best quarterback in the mountain west and uh it, that's the question is can fresno tackle in space in this game can they slow usc down can they 
can they get them to punt the damn ball? I mean, my God, they just they scored 35 in the first half against Stanford. They just looked unstoppable. Fresno is a better team than Stanford, in my opinion. I I think this matchup is going to be something like maybe 49 to to 30. 38 something you know it's gonna go above the over and under that they have that uh that's been set at 71 and a half i think it's gonna blow through that late in the third quarter uh these teams put up points right i like usc i think they win by at least two touchdowns number three which is is a it's a weird one but i like it miami texas a&m Texas A&M, uh, Jimbo Fisher, my God. Um, one thing I heard about, and I'm going to throw this in here, is Jimbo Fisher, apparently he coaches his quarterbacks to hold the ball next to their right ear. Like as if they're holding a phone or something. That's why when you see all his quarterbacks have that goofy that goofy stance that those goofy mechanics and they always look uncomfortable they just don't look ever look in rhythm and uh, i don't know why he teaches his quarterbacks to do that i no one else holds the ball at their ear with their elbow up like facing the damn sky i mean it's just it's nonsense but that's why he's not a quarterback coach. I mean, this dude can't, he can't get a quarterback to save his life. Um, you would think they have all this money. They would at least be able to get a solid quarterback, put him around all this talent. Well, he still has it. And they, they got beat by the Appies. And no disrespect to Appalachian State. They should be 2-0 and right now with wins over North Carolina and A&M. But they have they have some serious issues. Uh, Haynes King, he is not that dude. Um, he, he's thirty three of fifty one on the year, four hundred sixty one yards, sixty four completion percentage, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Those stats are a little deceiving um, because he 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 just doesn't. You can see when he throws it, he doesn't. He's not very accurate. Uh, when they need him to convert on on third and five, third and six, he can't convert. Even against Sam Houston State, they struggled on offense. And Miami, on the other hand, their quarterback, he he's he'd be playing in the NFL one day. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, he started off the season with with some hype. He he finished off last season. He killed it. I mean, he he killed it last season. He had a great season. This year, he hasn't started off as good, but he's been very accurate. Uh, he's came through when they needed him. He's only not completed twelve passes out of forty six. He's got about a seventy four uh, completion percentage, ten yards average per pass. Three touchdowns, only one interception. However, Miami's offensive line is going to be a question. Uh, he's been sacked already four times in two games, and mind you, they haven't played. They have not played a defensive line like A and M's. A um, and M still has a really good defense. I mean, they held the Appalachian State uh, offense to only seventeen points, and Appalachian State's offense, we saw what they could do. They put up sixty-two on a power five defense even though it's not the best power five defense they still did they still got a solid unit 
that's going to be the biggest question I think in this game is can Tyler Van Dyke get time uh, can he move the ball on really just a really good defense Texas A&M has dudes on that side of the ball um Miami's running game with Henry Parrish, who's been really good to start the year. Sophomore, smaller guy. He's like 5'9", 5'10", but he has over 200 yards rushing. He's averaging about six yards of carry, four touchdowns, only 37 attempts. He's been good. Once again, Miami hasn't played anyone. This is going to be their first uh, true test. But I I really like what I'm seeing uh, from uh, Xavier Restrepo. He has been, he's been their best receiver, um, 11 receptions, 172 yards, but here's the stat. He is a deep ball threat, 15.6 yards per catch. Can he do that against some really good corners from Texas A&M? Uh, I think that's still, that stands to be, uh, to be figured out. And then Texas A&M, there's no reason that Devin A. Kane shouldn't have more than, he, he should have well over 108 yards uh, in two games. Um, really good running back out of Missouri. Smaller guy, again, about 5'9". He's only averaging 3.9 yards per carry. That offensive line, the whole offensive scheme that Jimbo Fisher has is just awful. Um, a lot of people... A lot of people say that uh, without that uh, BCS championship or playoff championship with, with Winston at Florida State, he, I mean, what, what does he have on his resume? He, they basically go 8-4 and four every season, which is true. Like It, it looks like they're going to go 8-4 and four again. And A&M has a gauntlet. Like They need this game. This can go south for A&M very quickly. Uh, they need this game. They need their rec- their two receivers to be really good. Um, Evan Stewart, he's he's been all right. Doesn't have any touchdown catches, but he's averaging ten and a half yards per catch. They need these receivers really need to step up and, and help King. Uh, Anaya Smith is the other one, highly recruited out of Missouri. He's got he's averaging eighteen and a half yards per catch right now. Like, he's a big play threat. They need big plays. They need explosive plays. They know their defense is going to be good. But can their offense move the ball against a Miami defense that struggled to turn, uh, struggled to take the ball away last year? They That's where they struggle. That's where the questions are for Miami. Obviously, offensively, they're, they're solid. They're good. They have a top 10 quarterback prospect. They scored 70 points in the first game. Struggled against Southern Miss. You know, they, they really did. They only scored about, what was it, 30 points, 30 to 3. But, um, you know, their defense has looked much better. This should be a low-scoring game. However, I think if, if, if Jimbo can pull the trigger and give the LSU transfer Max Johnson a shot, I think he's much better than King. Uh, I like him better. I think he's got higher upside. We'll see if Jimbo can pull the trigger. This game is going to come down to who can move the ball, like who, who can score. And we know Miami can score. They're good. But Texas A&M's defense is much better than Miami's. On the other hand, whether it's Johnson or King, how does Texas A&M figure this out? Like this game is very intriguing to me because 
A&M needs this game. They're only five and a half point favorites, which I thought was way too much. I actually think Miami is going to keep this one really close. I think this is going to be a, a go down to the final minute. And uh, I I actually like A&M to bounce back. I think their defense is going to be good enough. I think they win 21-20 in a nail biter on Kyle Field. Number two. Here's where it gets tricky. Uh, these two, I, I I both like these two a lot. We'll, uh, we'll go through them kind of quick. Um, Georgia at South Carolina. I'm not going to get too much into detail on this one. Um, obviously, Georgia's a heavy favorite, 23.5 point favorite. Spencer Rattler has been, he cannot, he, he has no help from his offensive line. Um, he's been sacked a lot. Georgia's just, they've only given up three points in two games. They've outscored their opponents 89 to three. Uh, Bennett has almost 700 passing yards. He's got uh, he, no interceptions. I mean, he's he's been excellent. Rattler struggled. He had three interceptions in two games, only two touchdown passes. South Carolina's allowing their opponents to run for 247 yards per game, which we know uh, Georgia, they always have good running backs. They do again. South Carolina's only averaging 59 yards per game rushing, which is awful. That's not going to get it done. I think the South Carolina team has problems, but, but they do have talent. Like, they have some talent. Spencer Rattler is a solid quarterback. They're playing in South Carolina. It's going to be a huge game for them. Can they even keep this one close? Um, I'm, I think they can. They have the talent to keep this thing close. Can Rattler produce? Can they give him time in the pocket? I still think Georgia ends up winning this game pretty significantly. But I wouldn't be surprised if somehow South Carolina managed to find some explosive plays, maybe a few turnovers. Not likely, but still very interested to see how this game goes. Number one. But before I tell you what my number one most intriguing matchup is, I got to tell you about the app Anchor. I use Anchor to record all my podcasts. It also delivers all of my podcasts to platforms like Spotify, Apple, Google, anywhere where you listen to your podcast, Anchor will distribute them. And the best part, which is, it's insane that they do this, it's 100% free. It's no charge. They tell you your analytics, how many people are listening to certain uh, podcasts. They tell you how many listeners you had per day that you can make money off of your podcast through the ambassador ad after you've reached a certain amount of listeners you unlock the ambassador ad and that lets you profit off of your podcast i highly recommend anchor to any podcasters out there who are who want to do podcasts who are doing podcasts or who are thinking about doing podcasts use the app anchor it is 100% free. I promise you, you will not regret it. Now, back to top five most intriguing matchups. Number one, BYU, Oregon. Jaron Hall, I mean, this dude, he's a rock. 
for BYU. Like he's he is their heart and soul out there on offense. Five hundred twenty-two yards so far, seventy-six completion percentage, and they played two quality opponents. Obviously, they blew out USF. I mean, they 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 could not be stopped that game. I thought that game would be a lot closer. Uh, obviously, last week they beat Baylor in overtime. Good win, good gritty tough win because Baylor their defense is no joke they have a solid defense and uh, they ended up BYU ended up winning that game in Provo Uh, Oregon on the other hand they struggled against Georgia I mean we all know what happened in week one they got carved up by that Georgia offense Uh, I think Georgia went seven for seven on their drives all touchdowns they could not be stopped Oregon they moved the ball a little bit. They just couldn't capitalize. They couldn't finish drives. Bo Nix had the two interceptions early in the game. Really just put them behind. They couldn't run the ball. However, BYU is not as talented as Oregon. And I think this game, uh, it, it's going to come down to who has the best defense. Both of these teams have underrated defenses. I know Oregon's defense gets overlooked because of that Georgia loss. But... Oregon has some dudes. They have three five-star players on that defense. Uh, They have a ton of four-stars. They have guys that are going to be playing on Sundays on that defense. Can BYU and Chris Brooks run the ball? He's their senior running back. He's a big dude. He's a power guy. He's a north and south runner. So far, he has 166 yards on only 26 attempts. He's averaging a little over six yards a carry got a touchdown on top of that he 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 struggled against Baylor and uh you know Baylor has a tough line they have one of the best defensive lines in the country and their offensive line is also one of the best in the country he did struggle against Baylor Uh, he only had 31 yards on 13 attempts his longest rush was for six yards they contained him really well obviously uh BYU they were missing two of their better playmakers right Gunnar Romney he's he is good he's solid he's one of their best receivers they were missing him and then Puka Nakua who probably is their number one guy he he is their number one guy he's a big receiver 6'2 200 pounds uh, he only has one reception this year um, he, he was a last minute decision apparently for him not to play Uh, against Baylor they still won that game I mean my god they they still won without two of their better playmakers probably maybe their two best playmakers um and then who's really stepped up uh Chase Roberts Uh, he's a freshman for BYU he's a big target um he has 14.8 yards per catch which is just ridiculous 163 yards receiving and he's really stepped up for them he's been Jaron Hall's number one target are they gonna have all three of those guys back uh, still no word I think they're all gonna play and I think if Nakua and Romney and uh, Roberts are all playing that gives Jaron Hall three just number one wide receiver number one type players on that offense to go around to go along with a solid running game their offensive line is solid and uh, i i really like byu's offense in this game if they if they're all healthy of course um hall uh three touchdown passes only one interception 
He's got a solid quarterback rating of 71.9. And he's played real competition. Like BYU, they don't really play cupcakes. They play solid teams. And it just... And they're still winning uh, 10 games. You know, I think this year they're definitely winning 10 games. I think this is their toughest test left. Uh, I think Arkansas is solid, but they get them at home. And, um, yeah, it's going to come down to whose defense is going to be better. On the other hand, uh, Oregon, obviously we know they, they struggled against Georgia. They lit Eastern Washington up. They dropped 70 on them last week. Bo Nix looked fantastic, but as good as Eastern Washington is at their level, I mean, it, that was like a comeback game for Oregon. You know, Lanning wanted to run the score up, get some, uh, uh, get some, some cool points. Should I say? I don't even know what term to use, but yeah, Bo Nix. He only, I mean, he only missed five. He didn't complete five passes out of thirty-three. He almost had three hundred yards. He was almost perfect. 92 quarterback rating, five touchdowns, no interceptions. He didn't even play the whole game. Um, they used a few different running backs. I, I thought Cardwell, Byron Cardwell, was going to really step up for them this year. And they've kind of used a, a few different guys, which a little bit surprising. I thought Cardwell was good for them as their RB2 last year behind Travis Dye. Um, no one has really stepped up to the plate for that for that Oregon offense, their running game, which is a little concerning. Sean Dollars, he's their leading rusher, only ninety one yards. Uh, he's he's a smaller, shifty guy, and I think BYU's defense is going to be good enough in this game. And you know, Oregon's receivers haven't really looked great, other than Troy Franklin. Um, and he into you know he hasn't looked fantastic he's a bigger receiver he should be a, a, a nice red zone threat this year I, I think he'll end up with seven eight touchdown passes averaging about 10 yards per catch uh, he's got a touchdown but other than that I mean they their receivers just haven't stepped up Dante Thornton was supposed to be a, a big time player this year you know as a sophomore he's a huge receiver and you think he's like six five six six two hundred pounds he only has six receptions i mean it's it's concerning he only has six receptions terrence ferguson uh their other big massive receiver he's um he's more of like a tight end uh but he he's like a tight end hybrid i guess he's not an old school traditional tight end he only has seven receptions. He is a good red zone target because of his size. That could be um, a key factor in this game. He does have two touchdowns uh, in two games. And uh, that's what it's going to take. This that We saw what this BYU defense was capable of against a Baylor offense that put up 69 on Albany. Granted, it was Albany, but Blake Chapin has looked good. He looked great in that game. Um, it wasn't... They made it hard on him. You know, BYU played, I thought they played great defense. Uh, Obviously, we knew Baylor was going to play great defense. And, you know, looking at the the comparison of these two teams, it's it's really going to come down to how well Oregon's defense plays. Uh, I think BYU's defense has the lighter task Oregon's defense has the taller task I mean they especially BYU's receivers are healthy 
Um, Oregon's right now, they're giving up about 380 yards per game. Well, BYU's averaging almost 500. They're averaging about, like, I think it was like 470, 475 a game. Uh, Oregon's offense obviously clicked into gear last game, put up a bunch of yards. They're averaging right around that same mark, about 470, 460. Um, both defenses been solid against the pass. Obviously, Oregon's um, defense versus Georgia wasn't. But overall, in general, I think both defenses will be um, really, they'll have, they'll have really good secondaries that'll come to life. And uh, that's can Bo Nix pass against a defense that only gives up about 150 yards passing per game? Uh, BYU's run defense not as great, giving up about 129 per game. So that, that there's a there's a few questions. Uh, both of these teams score about 36, 38 points a game. Uh, BYU's defense on paper and just their personnel may have the slight advantage, uh, but. This Oregon offense has the potential to explode. I mean, they average 200 rushing yards a game. I think Bo Nix, his dual threat ability is going to play a huge factor. Obviously, it's in Eugene and in the good old Autzen Stadium, Nike University. That obviously plays a factor in this. And uh, there's so many, so many crucial factors to this game. Individual one-on-one matchups. Can Oregon utilize their their size at the wide receiver position? Is BYU going to be healthy? Uh, which run defense is, is going to step up? BYU's run defense been the weaker part of their defense, no question. So can Bo Nix and Cardwell and Sean Dollars, can they take advantage of that? Can Dan Lanning run the ball behind TJ Bass and those big guys? Because Oregon, they have a solid offensive line. They have pros on that offensive line. It's it's there's a few things that I I'm really interested uh, in seeing in this game. Will Oregon fall to one and two like the Ducks going to one and two top fifteen to start the year? Uh, as far as talent acquisition goes, they're the twelfth most talented team in the country. Are they really going to fall to one and two? It wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and uh, ESPN uh, they give. Uh, BYU a 46% chance of winning. Uh, BYU's the three and a half point underdog. And, uh, you know, look, Oregon gave about 450 passing yards against Georgia. Their secondary is better than that. But I think with BYU's three receivers healthy, uh, with their with the run game that's pretty consistent, that's solid, with the offensive line that's going to give, um, that's going to give their quarterback time. I think Jaron Hall is we're really going to see the, the the Heisman hype turn up for Jaron Hall in this game um, getting his, his guys back Gunner and, and Puka I like BYU in this game uh, I think they're going to outright win it I have them on the money line I don't like Oregon enough I think that they haven't shown me enough on offense um, Eastern Washington you that's not a comparison they're, you know, scoring 70 on them means nothing to me. Uh, Georgia, that game meant something to me. And so far, I just haven't seen it with Oregon. I'm not a believer in Bo Nix. He has never been great. He's been an average quarterback. And when an average quarterback plays against a good team, a good defense, it usually doesn't go their way unless 
the rest of their team is Georgia or Alabama, right? So BYU, um, they're winning this game. Just put it out like that. Get it on the money line. Thank me later. They're definitely covering that covering that three and a half point spread. Screw the spread. Go to the money line. Get BYU on it. And then give me a five-star review for making you some money. Thank you guys for listening to Game Day with the Gurus. I kind of winged this one a little bit. Um, just got off work. I'm tired. But the grind is real. I love doing this stuff. And uh, I really wanted to get this one out there on Monday to start the week. I'll be doing something tomorrow. Probably be doing uh, some some power rankings after week two going into week three, which is going to be very fun. I'll have my co-host back tomorrow, Davis the Guru. You can follow us both on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, on TikTok, at Wildcat underscore Guru, and then on TikTok, at Game Day with the Guru. Thank you guys for listening i really appreciate it remember five star reviews make our dreams come true thank you for listening to game day with the gurus where it is game day 24 7 365 we talk sports